Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for the continuation of the conversation between myself, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, and our old friend and former host of this podcast, now writer at The Athletic, Eric Name. I will say, if you missed part one of the conversation, please go back and check that out before you listen to this podcast. You should be able to find that on your podcast feed there. So we're going to Continue with Giannis. We're going to move on to some of the other really, really important pieces from this championship-winning Milwaukee Bucks squad. And then we're going to get to just some silly stuff at the end, which you guys knew that, of course, we were going to get to. Uh, I might be a little bit biased, but I think these, these pods have been really, really fun. It's always great when I get to hang out with Eric and Frank. So I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Now, it's a big week for the NBA. So I've got to remind you guys about our live NBA draft show. Chad Ford, Raphael Barlow, and John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29 at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Just a couple of quick notes here before we dive back into the conversation with Eric and Frank. Of course, the offseason continues to roll on here. We're only a week removed from Milwaukee winning the championship, but the NBA doesn't stop for no one. So, Bryn Forbes, uh, Woj reported that he was going to uh, opt out of his option for next season. Not unexpected. Uh, Bryn Forbes, probably a guy that's earned himself a better deal. He was really solid during the regular season as a rotation player, 45% from three. We know what he did in that first round series against Miami. The man outscored Jimmy Butler. He outscored Jimmy Butler in the first round. He's always going to be a championship hero for the Milwaukee franchise. Uh, I hope that he gets, uh, gets paid, and I hope that he, he goes somewhere else if that's the case and has plenty of success as well. A really likable guy for sure and someone we had a lot of fun watching. So that's the first piece of the puzzle when it comes to free agency for the Bucks. We'll see. I mean, it's not... It's not impossible that he returns to the Bucks, but it would seem certainly very unlikely. And the other bit of news, Jordan Wara just dropped 33 points for Nigeria as I'm recording this little intro here. 33 points, 7 for 12 from 3. Maybe only one game left in his Olympic campaign, which is a little bit of a shame because he's incredibly fun to watch. I spoke about him with Justin Garcia on the podcast just a couple of days ago. And, you know, a really curious player. 20-plus minutes four times this season for the Bucks, Average 22.5 points in those games. Admittedly, not against the best opposition in weird games. The, the, the meaning of those games was not exactly uh, top shelf. But there's no doubt we've learned that this guy is a scorer. There's no doubt about that. No free throws today. I think that's the next evolution of his offensive game. Can he be a guy that can put the ball on the floor a little bit? We know he can shoot off the dribble, but can he get to the rim? Can he draw contact? Can he be that type of versatile scorer? Uh, not sure. We'll see. We'll see where the development curve comes. And, of course, the defensive 
question marks are, are definitely going to be there. But for the Bucs, it makes sense. Keeping an eye on the draft in a few days here. They drafted a guy that was a little bit more mature, perhaps closer to being able to contribute and has a real NBA skill set. So I, I don't know what it means for Jordan Moore next year. I know I've always said this. One of the most exciting things about being an NBA fan is seeing guys get drafted and being really overly excited about what you think they could get. We'll see what it means for Jordan Wara, but it sure as hell is an exciting shooter to watch, that's for sure. So we'll see. But one more game for Nigeria, it looks like, unless there's a miracle and they get out of that group with Italy, Germany, and the mighty Aussies, but we'll see. But anyway, tomorrow we'll be talking draft on the show, so I will plug that right now. But let's get back to the conversation with Frank and Eric. I'm going to get things started by continuing the conversation with Giannis, his mentality, and how he has worked through some clear struggles in his game. Well, I, I just wanted to, to jump in just to add something to what you said, Frank, before, before Eric sort of carries on and gives his thoughts about it all. But the way you sort of described the, those videos, so I think there's... I think Giannis the comedian is a real thing, first of all. Like, I, I think that we've always seen that. Like, he's just naturally a really funny damn guy. And I think Except when he's, he's, like, trying to be funny. Like, when he's trying to tell jokes, he's not funny. So, so, so you Naturally, let, he's funny. So you just let he's me pro- And he probably, annoyed, he probably annoyed his teammates probably a fair bit, especially oh, yeah. when, his, when he was a younger player. But, you know, whatever. To us, it's endearing. So the, uh, I'm only here to get fined, okay? He's the perfect example of Giannis who must have been bored at home during the day. Maybe he was, you know, hanging out with Liam. Maybe he was trying to get Liam to take a nap or something. And he thought, how can I be funny today? What would be a funny joke? Like, he didn't come up with that on the spot. He went to that press conference knowing that he was going to make that stupid joke because he was cracking up laughing when that uh, woman reporter was asking the question. I don't know who it was, but um, that's the clown side. But the calculated side that Frank brought up, I think is really interesting because when you talk about superstars and, and Frank sort of already touched on this, uh, it, it's so rare. And I always go back to that comment that he said, which was kind of a funny comment at the time after the bubble where if I see a wall, I, I run through it. But you can actually tie that back to three-point shooting and you can tie that back to free-throw shooting. And the one thing that is so rare with superstars is that they generally shy away or hide from their from their weaknesses and three-point shooting and free throw shooting is an absolute weakness of his but i wonder if there's something calculated because the one thing we do know as much as he's a clown he's a very very smart man and i wonder whether there's something calculated about openly letting everyone know that yeah i airballed free throws yeah i'm gonna miss shots i don't really care keep doing whatever you want to do it doesn't bother me i'm publicly telling you that i'm aware that i failed and then he comes and shoots 17 for 19 from the free throw line to clinch an nba title you can't say a damn thing to that man anymore yeah period what what are you going to say like legitimately what are you going to say to him at this point because his response is going to be i put up 50 in an nba finals closeout game what are you going to say? Oh, you miss free throw sometimes? Yeah, I was 17 or 19 that night. Like, what, what, what are you going to say at that point? Like, I, the, to me, that is just like, that is the act of defiance that is this championship. Because I remember during that finals, and again, like, obviously people know that I've covered Giannis like the longest of anyone that was in that press room. So, like, people would ask me things about like, oh, you know, you know, what is Giannis like? Or, you know, um, you know, is this, I remember someone asked me as he has 40 
in game six, is this the most impressive stretch of Giannis's career? And in my head, I was like, huh, okay, well, let's see. You know, there's like some triple doubles sometime. And, you know. and then I caught myself thinking, you idiot. Of course this is the most impressive. He went 40 and 10, 40 and 10, and then 50 another game later. And, but the, the fact that I had to think about it is, is speaking to that, right? Like in that biggest moment, as he's doing that, I had to think through like, is this actually the most impressive thing? Because everyone has spent so long taking away from what this man does that, you know, it doesn't matter how impressive it is that he averages 33, like he's putting up Elgin Baylor numbers. He's putting up Will Chamberlain numbers that never mattered because he couldn't make free throws and he couldn't get to the basket and he couldn't win and he couldn't do all that stuff. Like you had to wade through all of that shit because that's just like what we do, right? Like if you don't win, we're going to tell you that you're garbage. And to me, that's like the the thing that stands out about this is you can't say a damn thing to any of those dudes anymore. Like, this is obviously true of Giannis, and we're spending a lot of time talking about Giannis, which is great and what we should do. But, like, Chris Middleton, what are you going to say to Chris Middleton? He hit a Dirk fade with 430 left in that game to go up six. The next time the Suns came down four, Giannis, who has 48 points at the time, decides that he's going to hand it off to Chris Middleton for a contested jumper, and Chris Middleton hits it. He had the most clutch points of anyone in the postseason. He, he was unbelievable. All right, so let's go to Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew, you know, you're 420 the other night. Okay, well, I locked down Chris Paul. You know that dude that never turns it over? I made him turn it over five times a game in the NBA Finals. Okay, what do you want to say? They, oh, I wasn't good enough on offense? Well, what about that game that I took over against the Brooklyn Nets? Like, okay, I'm going to say that. Brooke Lopez, you're old and slow and you can't defend. Okay, you couldn't play me off the floor. Nobody could play me off the floor. P.J. Tucker, you're old, you can't defend. Okay, I took Kevin Durant, and then the, the thing that killed me throughout was like, oh, you know, P.J. doesn't add enough on offense. Ask anybody on the Phoenix Suns how much fun they had trying to box out P.J. Tucker. Ask them, because every single one of them will tell you it was a bitch and it sucked. I did not enjoy doing it because he was there every single time. Pat Connaughton, you're overpaid. Oh, I just hit big threes for the entirety of the postseason. That was all I did. Bobby Portis, you can't play defense. Okay, well, I had two blocks in the game that closed it out, and I put up 16 points, and I was the guy that Giannis trusted most to throw the ball to me in the corner and hit threes. Like, and I'm, I'm the next hardcore WWE champion. So he's having a big <laughs> week. Bobby Portis is having a big, big week. But, like, that's the thing that, that, that this championship, like, I just think it was so impressive to watch, like, okay, Giannis being great is great, right? Like, that's undeniable. No one's going to take away that series. That's a legendary performance. That's one of the best NBA Finals performances of the last 25 years. That's not going anywhere. But for the rest of that team that had to listen to everybody, and obviously, like, I got a chance to write about this a number of times throughout the postseason, right? Because all those dudes have big games. But everyone said, you're not good enough to reward Giannis for signing and trying to stay with one team. He's not going to do it because you guys stink. And all of them can say, all right, what are you going to say to me now? Like, what, what could you possibly say to me now? And I just think it's been – so it's been so impressive to watch all those guys throughout the postseason kind of go through it and do that. And then 
when they were going down in these scenarios, if they lost those series, Bud was gone. Mike Boonholzer was no longer the coach. All right, it's Built Bar time, fellas. And uh, did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, it's fair to say you are simply missing out, whether it's coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, cherry barcia. They're all there. So you know my favorite. I'm a coconut guy. Also, you know, I can get into the mint brownie. I like them all, to be fair. But those two would be up the top of my list for me. The bars are healthy for you, which is great. You can have it pre-workout, post-workout. We know the fans were having them pre-game and post-game. So it's the perfect snack. And it's also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Uh, We know the athletics about to get started over there in Tokyo. But go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. So the Budenholzer conversation is really fascinating to me. And I, I wanted to ask this, not through the lens of just, you know, opinion where we all look and, and, and have our thoughts on, on what was going to happen. You already touched on it. Let's be honest. When the Bucks were down 2-0 in the Brooklyn series, I think you would have to be pretty crazy to sit there and think that he was going to be the coach of this team, let alone get them to the conference finals, let alone win a, a fucking championship, right? I mean, that, that just felt so, so far away at that moment in time. But here we are, and we know he's going to be the coach and he'll have the job for, you know, there's already comparisons to Rick Carlisle where they didn't win a playoff series and he just had the job, had the job. Once you're a championship coach, for, for Bud, this is so incredible because even if he eventually leaves Milwaukee, which he will, he'll just walk into another job. I mean, he's an NBA championship coach now, so this is absolutely life-changing for him. But the one thing that that I noticed, and I, and we we've discussed this before through the season. I remember there was a couple of times there where we do the the press conferences, and and I, I think for the most part, but over the first two years, he came to Milwaukee. I would say with a reputation of being a little bit grumpy, a little bit prickly. We there were certainly people that mentioned that they're like, oh, but he's a he's a grumpy fella, and we're like, not really. He's pretty happy, but this Bucks team isn't losing too many games, so he, he's got he hasn't got too much to be grumpy about. But this year, there was a couple of times where I, I would text you and say, geez, bud, keeping it, keeping it tight this year. He's really, he's really not giving anything away. And I do wonder whether that was the pressure that he felt. And when you talk about a guy that looked happy, when you talk about a guy that looked relieved, I, I think about after the conference finals at that uh, ceremony they had, but certainly after the finals. What did you see from Bud through this playoff run? Because... My goodness, he looked like a man that was carrying the weight of the world for a lot of it. It's honestly kind of funny to think through like a lot of it, right? Like, so Bud, obviously just looking rough, like, man, this is really weighing on me. But also <laughs> like John Horst is like a young dude. And, you know, like as I was seeing Horst at games, I'd be like, man, like his hair's getting a little grayer. Like he is going through it as well. And I just thought like, it speaks to what championship level pressure is all about. It speaks to like, if you put if, if you win 60 games in your first year and you go to the Eastern conference finals, well, good luck. Like your expectations are, you have to outdo that. You have to do better than that. And, you know, I thought it, it's funny now to think back, right? Like, so to start this season, I, I noticed that the Bucks were running a new offense and I'm trying to get, information out of like players and coaches and all this 
and Bud is really resistant to talk to me about it. Like he, he, he really does not want to talk about it. And in my mind, I was like, dude, I'm, I think I know the game some, but like if I can pick up that you guys have a new offense, you don't think the video room of all 29 teams is like, oh yeah, they, they have a new offense. Like, of course, like they're going to pick it up. Everyone knows, man. Like everyone knew after the first preseason game that you're running a new offense. And yet he was, he was just not willing to talk to me about it. And I finally convinced him and you know, it, it was funny because it was like, in my mind, Bud, you've made an adjustment. People don't think you can do that. You should scream it from a mountaintop. <laughs> you should tell the whole world, look at this. I've done it. I've made an adjustment. Everyone, <laughs> like, please look at what I've done. But there was this level of fear that maybe this shit isn't going to work. Like, Maybe it's not going to work. Which and then again, what do I do? Right. And then I'll, like all of a sudden I've told everyone that I've made an adjustment <laughs> and the shit doesn't work. Um, so it was just it, it, like that. All, all of this was like interesting to watch because, you know, in the moment, Bud is deflecting. Bud is trying not to like, I think in many ways, think about the changes that he's made or think about the adjustments that he's made and like not really speak to them all that much. And in my mind, it was like, they're running a brand new offense and the defense remains similar, but like you still saw Brooke Lopez doing all sorts of different stuff and people were rightfully crushing, Bud. I did it at the athletic, like the game you decided to run zone for an entire half against the Memphis Grizzlies. It was dumb. Like it was a dumb idea that was not going to work. They were already shooting hot from three and you're going to give them open threes. Like that's your, that's the way to do it. It was a bad idea, but like they just kind of powered through on a bunch of this stuff. Like, Hey, we're going to get these reps in and if we stink, whatever. And then, I mean, it is, it's honestly kind of insane to think through just how big of a trade the PJ Tucker trade was because in that moment, you know, you lost your guy. You lost your guy, by the way. Now that we've got you on the pod, let's make sure that that's clear. The DJ Augustine experience didn't work out very well, did it? No, no, it, uh, it sure didn't. But, you know, the optimist could say that's the, what gave you the money to be able to get P.J. Tucker. Why? <laughs> <What>? um, Twist. <laughs> uh, but, like, if you just think through it, somehow, like, Horace moves the picks around in a way that essentially you're moving down seven picks in the draft and you get P.J. Tucker and people are thinking that's way too much to give up for P.J. Tucker. Like, have you seen him play this year? The dude can't move. The dude can't play. And obviously, once P.J. gets here, he reveals to the world that actually had an injury. And the Bucks were like, all right, dude, you need to sit out for 15 games. And then you're still thinking by the end of the season, like, maybe this dude doesn't have it. Like maybe this dude can't actually play and then you get into the playoffs and like, I just think back to that first playoff series where I asked Giannis last year after watching the ball go through six straight times, he took the ball out of the net six straight times on a Jimmy Butler jumper. I asked him, you know, did you say anything? Like, did you say like, I want Jimmy Butler and his response was, why would I say that? And, and again, it wasn't aggressive towards me. It was just like, 
Eric, you know what my role is on defense. Why would I do that? I know what my role is. And then all of a sudden in game one, oh, Giannis is covering Jimmy Butler. And the Bucs have just like made the adjustment, which again, screaming from the mountaintops. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. I made an adjustment. But again, Bud wasn't going to do that because, well, if it goes to shit, it goes to shit. And all of a sudden, you haven't done the thing. And I just thought that was kind of like the the really interesting part of all this was obviously uh, Bud can kind of say this stuff all along, but it still got to a point in in the finals where we're watching Bud – do his thing. The Bucks go down 0-2 to the Suns. And, I mean, Amin El Hassan's on Labertard and Friends talking about, well, Bud doesn't make adjustments. What a stinking couple. Can I just say, what a shit week he's had, by the way, as well. He, not, he's had an absolute stinker. Not great. But, like, in my head, I'm thinking, and, like, our guy, like, Zach Harper was telling me the same thing. He's like, well, Bud doesn't make adjustments. I was like, one, do you have an athletic subscription? Like, are you not reading my stuff? Like, again, maybe you're not, but like that hurts my feelings because you can see throughout the playoffs, they've done these things. And I mean, again, I'm not going to say it it to the same extent. Like there's still things Bud could have done better or, you know, found a way to to do in different ways. Maybe he could have asked Drew Holiday to press earlier in series. Maybe he could have, you know, not play Jeff Teague at certain moments. Like there's still things that you can complain about, but it's, it's pretty much the same thing as the players. Like, what are you going to say? What, what are you going to say? I don't make adjustments. Well, I did all of that. I, I ran a brand new offense. I changed a bunch of things on defense. I ran a brand new defense at the Miami heat in the first round. I figured out when people said, stop playing PJ Tucker after the first two games of the net series, I leaned into it and he ended up being a massive reason of why you ended up beating the Brooklyn Nets. Like throughout all of this, I made the adjustments and I won an NBA title. So what are you going to say to me? Like that to me is like, this is a defiant run from the Milwaukee Bucks to anyone, whether in market, out of market, Eric name, raising his hand and asking a question about adjustments for two straight years, like whatever it is, like, what are you going to say at this point? Like, they won a championship. And and it is really, to me, it was really cool to watch Bud in in the parade, like, there with his dad, like, hanging out in, oh, you, you just threw PJ a beer and he chugged it? Well, throw me one too. I got it. All right, let's Stone Cold Steve Austin this thing and away we go. Like, that's just like a level of of not caring that, none of those guys could have whether it was john horse hair getting more gray bud beer getting more gray like whatever it is like those dudes can all now just be like you know what are you going to say to me let's talk rockauto.com guys uh because we know with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer choosing the only brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box today? Now we sent you 
amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I think it's it's funny with the PJ discourse because of course now we're you know um, we don't we're not going to talk about this podcast but you know PJ is is in many ways kind of the I don't want to say like the swing vote of the off season but you know his situation with bird rights you know what do you pay him given he's thirty six years old all these other things um, you know going to be very interesting kind of how the Bucks approach that whether they can retain him or not but it's really funny you look at his numbers obviously he comes over he immediately gets an injury. You know, he was not playing when the Bucks acquired him. They didn't play him with Giannis all that much because he was backing up Giannis essentially during the regular season. I was just looking at the numbers on cleaning the glass. I think that he played about 800 possessions during the regular season, under 300 with Giannis. Uh, overall, um, Bucks gave up 123 points per 100 with PJ on the court. They scored 122. So basically, if you were just looking at the numbers, you would say, oh, put PJ Tucker in and it becomes a track meet, which of course is like hilarious. Um, and even with Giannis, they were outscored with PJ and Giannis together. There was absolutely growing pains that they went through during the regular season where they were, they had clearly not figured out what they unlocked in the playoffs. What they unlocked in the playoffs was unlocked in the playoffs. And I think it, it really speaks to not just the coaches, but also just, you know, this is the benefit of having these veteran guys like PJ, who is just, I mean, the dude has played 35, 36, I think even more at times minutes per game in the playoffs in the deep runs, you know, year after year after year. And so he's used to that. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be very interesting, right? If they bring him back, is he an 82 game player? You know, I don't think they're starting PJ Tucker next year. Um, but in the playoffs, we've seen now that that he can obviously unlock things defensively as a, such a switchable guy. And, you know, I mean, it's it's wild because of how long the playoff run was. I mean, they had 1,300 possessions with P.J. in the playoffs versus 800 in the regular season. In the playoffs, they were about plus nine per 100. Again, they were negative in the regular season. And with Giannis, they played 1,000 possessions, Giannis and, and P.J. together, plus 10 net rating. And obviously, a lot of those were coming you know, those were not like garbage, garbage time possessions, obviously, you know, that that was a group that got more and more minutes as the playoffs wore on, you know, given PJ comes into the starting five in the second round against Brooklyn, which obviously was a, a knockdown drag out series. So it's just kind of remarkable. And and again, I mean, it's, it's so many things like I think if you if you treat the playoffs, like, I mean, again, it's it's something I always say, right, like every playoff series, just it's just a series of small samples. And, you know, we saw it, with this team in particular, the wild swings in momentum, if you believe momentum or not, um, that at the end of the day, it's like, am I going to sit here and tell you that the Bucks win the simulation, you know, every time? Of course not. You know, I think, I think you have to think about these things probabilistically rather than deterministically. In the world that we live in, the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. And as fans, you should feel thrilled and you should celebrate this team and the players and the coaches and the organization can feel extremely proud because all we know is that is that one outcome. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. And weird things happen in the playoffs, but it happens every year. And, you know, a couple years ago, Toronto series, that's in many ways, this, many ways you could argue, well, that's the playoffs that they probably should have won because they had more aggregate talent on the roster. 
they were the ones that were up to oh in the Eastern Finals. And shit happens, you know. At the end of the day, shit happens, and you know Nick Nurse, who was you know I think understandably a guy who has gotten a lot of credit because you know you hear stories about him saying like, all right, after this timeout, we're gonna run this, and you know he has his guys doing stuff they don't they haven't even practiced, you know, like boxing ones or whatever it is, you know. I mean, people can look up the stories, but. Um, and I think, again, I don't think Bud was quite, you know, he loved saying play random, but I think he meant that offensively, not defensively. Very much not a defensive thing that, that he would argue. Uh, but I think, I think that's sort of the, the beauty and the chaos of all this is, you know, you can, you can everyone's going to seize on, you know, Kevin Durant, if he, you know, like his foot was a bit, bit you know, shorter or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, we can, we can play that game all day long about if this one play happens differently. And I thought of it in particular watching uh, just a, a, a set of clips of Chris Middleton clutch jump shots during the postseason, right? And there was the stat about how he equaled LeBron for whatever the number was, you know, most 15 times he hit a shot that, you know, tied or put his team in the lead in whatever late game situation. And you watch all those clips and it's, oh my God, like, if he misses like, you know, any of these, these like series could get massively swung and maybe the Bucks don't get out of the second round or the East finals, or, you know, maybe they don't win the championship because that was game five, right? You know, game five, he was huge. And some of those shots he had in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, it's sort of one of those things like it doesn't make for good radio to, to say like, Hey, stuff's random. And, you know, Sometimes it works out for you and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I, that's the way I feel. But I also, I, I would never say to let that devalue what we saw because in many ways it makes you appreciate the, the accomplishment of winning a championship even more. Because I think really that, I mean, if you, give, if you want to think big picture about the Bucs, I think it does feel like, you know, their goal has been, hey, year in and year out, we have Giannis, we need to put enough around him to basically give ourselves a shot. And have they always given themselves the best shot? No, not always. You know, the Brogdon move, I think, is the obvious one, right? Where treating Brogdon like the quote-unquote luxury is obviously not maximizing your championship potential. We'll see what they do this summer. Obviously, now they're under a big question mark of how much they're willing to spend, which, as I was tweeting tonight, could be massive amounts of money that they would have to pay to, to sort of run it back or some facsimile of the run it back of the title team. But um, but, you know, I, th- I think there's, there, you know, again, that's just kind of how this goes and how this works. And um, I think at the end of the day, it just makes me more thankful as, as a fan, putting on my fan hat, just makes me more thankful and in some ways appreciate it more because it wasn't easy. It wasn't, you know, faux, 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 you know, Moses Malone uh, just rampaging through the playoffs. And like Kane, we said the other day, I'll happily take that next year. Um, but in some ways, this was in some ways, it's a more special and emotionally meaningful win in, in a weird way because of the roller coaster we had to go to get to, to the end point. But again, don't get any ideas, Bucks. Feel free to, you know, not play with your food quite so much. But um, it's it's obviously just been a heck of a ride. And um, it's still it still feels weird being I'm in Milwaukee right now and just, you know, going into the stores and like, you know, like seeing the championship t-shirts and like being able to touch them is kind of like, okay, it's real, you know? 
they didn't have to ship these off to a third world country, you know, <laughs> because the bucks lost and they can't sell them in stores and you know, whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it still feels wild to, to look back on it, but it, it is starting to feel, I guess, a little bit more real. I know we got to go because this is not a three hour podcast like Frank and I used to pull off when I throw it in the show. Um, but speaking to that point, you know, I had someone ask me over the weekend, like, you know, do you think the Bucks can go back to back or whatever it is? And in my head, it was just like, man, just just enjoy it. Like, just enjoy the fact that they won one because speaking to Frank's point, it can all go sideways in a moment. And this Bucks team, obviously, like, it's very well documented, right? Like, down 0-2, down 0-2, Durant's foot, all this stuff. But, like, literally just think of the Miami series. Game one, Chris Middleton's jumper doesn't go in. You keep that game rolling, you somehow lose that game. Then, Bud, who had made the adjustment, screaming at the top of the mountain, right? Hey, I made this adjustment. Does he second-guess it? Does he then say, you know what? Maybe we screwed up. Maybe we shouldn't run Giannis on Jimmy Butler and we shouldn't have Brooke play that drop coverage on Bam. Let's do something different. What if in that series, that doesn't happen? You, you win game one in the way that you do. And then Dante DiVincenzo doesn't get hurt. D- does Dante start that series against the Nets? I would think so. I think he, he probably would. And P.J. Tucker maybe doesn't play that same role. And, and these are things that just happen in playoff series. You, you, as someone who cannot believe he just spent the last two and a half months of his life covering a postseason run, there's a lot of shit along the way. There's a lot of different things that all have to go in your direction to get yourself to a spot to win a championship. And obviously, Bucks fans know that they didn't win one in 50 years and that this shit is hard. But like, to me, that's the thing where don't start thinking about the next one. I know you want to, but like, just enjoy this one. And if you can, go back along the way and think about all the other ways that it could have gone the other way. Like, it, it, a time and time again in every series, it's not once, it's not twice, it's multiple times in that same series. You could just have that happen again and again and again in everything. Maybe not everything, right? A few things go wrong, but everything in the end ends up going the Bucks' way and they get an NBA championship. Well, the one thing I'll say, Eric, you went through all the things that could have gone wrong in the postseason, but if you want one moment to describe to you how quickly a championship can get ripped away from you or a back-to-back or whatever it is, um, how about game four in Atlanta when Giannis goes down and we didn't even think that he was going to play for the entirety of next season. So there's a bunch of different sliding doors moments, I guess, that you can point to for how the Bucs uh, got here. But uh, we've always said this, and, and this was the one thing that I said with the Raptors in 2019 where they clearly got some injury luck as well. Who gives a shit? Like, if you're, if you're a fan, if you're a fan, like, who cares? It doesn't matter. There's nothing that, that can happen that will take that championship away. So uh, that's the main thing. As we do wrap this up, the NBA draft, this is the ridiculous thing, Eric. I hope you enjoyed 24 hours off or whatever you did because the NBA draft is right here and we've got a live draft show that we've been plugging here. So you're going to be able to catch Chad Ford and John Corrales. It's the Locked On NBA Draft 2021 show brought to you by Built Bar. You can get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29 
from 7 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Friday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time for our Australian listeners. Eric, as we do wrap this up, some of us have to get to our day job here. It's the middle of the bloody day here on Tuesday. You've got some stuff to plug. You've been talking about The Athletic. Clearly, if you were going to subscribe to The Athletic, it feels like this would be the absolute best time because uh, not only can you catch up on all the championship coverage, it's honestly really fascinating to go back and look at some of the stories from earlier in the season and say, ah, this game against San Antonio where you gave up 190 points in the first half. There's all these different moments that you can go back and sort of get the reaction and get a sense for that. But then obviously the championship stuff as well. Um, But... You also have a book coming out. I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with you, if but not many people know this. Not many people know this, but not many people know this. But if you go back to 2019, we had actually signed some paperwork, me and you together, to write the championship book. I didn't hear anything. I was checking my emails daily. Next thing, I just see a tweet. Yeah, me and my pals at The Athletic, we wrote a book. And I'm like, well, what about the Aussie guy? What happened to me? Why am I over here no longer writing a book? I'm a seller. okay okay well that's fair enough then i I have nothing i have no further comment where can Uh, we get it yeah i mean you can you can check it out on twitter it is through triumph books so that'll be the current link right now um obviously once it gets a further release there'll be all the different ways that you can normally find a book uh but for right now you should go to triumph books that's the way to do it. I've tweeted out multiple times. I'm sure I'm probably just going to tweet it out every day because as multiple Bucks fans told me today, can you just tweet out that they won a championship every day? That would be great. Like just, just tweet that out. I don't even care if you're promoting your book, like just tweet out that they won a championship every day. So I might end up doing that for the rest of the week, but uh, yeah, you can check it out. It's got a bunch of my stories from the year. uh, My story at the buzzer, uh, stories from Sam Amick, from David Aldridge, from Joe Varden, from, I mean, everyone that works around the team at The Athletic. Uh, you can grab that stuff from from all of us. And obviously, we had a fun time covering that team throughout the year. I Things like this make me uncomfortable. I don't like pimping my own work. This isn't something that I really like to do. But in all honesty, I will say I'm, I'm very proud of the coverage that I put together this season. Um, I think I did hopefully in some ways do this season justice. I don't know if I did all of it justice because 50 years is a whole lot of time to wait for a championship. Um, but I am very proud of that uh, as well. If you want to su- subscribe at the athletic right now, we're doing a 50% off uh, for an annual deal. So an annual subscription to the athletic 50% off right now, you can find that on my Twitter as well. Uh, very simple to do. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm proud of both of those things. And honestly, as, a, as I was getting ready to do this podcast, I'm, I'm fucking proud that this thing still goes on and that, you know, this Aussie dude that I fucking met however long ago is running this podcast and has been doing so for two years and been putting up insane numbers and all the Bucks fans have been able to hang out and do this all along. So I am very proud of all that. And I'm proud that I can have Frank Madden's number, have him text me that he's going to be at Rockies, tell him I'm going to show up in 15 minutes, show up and get a super slice from Frank Madden. I get that all of that, that I'm proud of all of that. Yeah, we, uh, we, we each had our, our, <laughs> 
our bucks and sticks, breadsticks, um, which as we were eating, uh, I think you tweeted it out for people that saw it, but uh, I actually hadn't thought there actually are six breadsticks in, in Iraqi's uh, breadsticks little little serving. So um, bucks and sticks, it's, it's really, uh, it just works out so perfectly. Shout out to, to, to Rocky. Shout out to friend of the pod, Andy Grozalski. I think his uh, I think his kids were at Rockies and and they also landed on Bucks and Sticks. So, um, you know, I think I think we heard today uh, the Bucks have pat have trademark filed for a trademark on Bucks and Six. I saw Brandon Jennings was tweeting out merch using Bucks and Six, which of course he came up with. Um, I, I hope there's no <laughs> I hope there's not a cease and desist shipped to Brandon Jennings at any point. That would be kind of awkward. Um, but if not, I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe Brandon could get on the Bucks and Sticks uh, bandwagon and maybe do a collab, <laughs> Brandon Jennings uh, collab with, uh, with Rocky Rococo. I mean, with, you know, it's just a natural, right. natural combination right there. The Bucks are like, listen, man, we had you at the front of the parade now. We, we, we can't let you have the trademark. <laughs> They're like, we need, we need to put an end to this. But hey, you two got to hang out today and have Rockies. Um, I, I was still happy because... There was a Facebook page going around that they wanted Bucks fans to flip the hop. As far as I know, they didn't flip the hop. So, uh, so we're all happy. We're all happy over here. It's great times. <laughs> I, I didn't know the, the hop is still running. Yeah. Uh, took great. it the other day. It was great. Great. By the way, I can I don't I don't know if we've talked we talked about it in your pods, but like, how just utterly bizarre is it that it's 2021? Brandon Jennings is still only 31 years old somehow. He's not in the NBA. He did obviously have that cup of coffee with the Bucks a couple of years ago, which was kind of you know fun for for like at least a couple of those games. And yet, the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship, and and the part that really killed me, just in the grand sort of like cosmic sense of the universe irony, whatever, was you know I go back to that fateful 2013 summer. Of course, Giannis gets drafted, but you know the Bucks try to sign Jeff Teague to an offer sheet. The the Hawks match. Bucks then trade Jennings to the Pistons for the deal that includes Brandon Knight and, of course, Chris Middleton. You know, the sliding doors, of course, of what happens if they land Teague and then don't, you know, they presumably just let Jennings walk at that point. They don't really have much leverage, I would say, that they're going to keep both those guys. So then you never get Chris Middleton. Well, you know, how would, would the world be different, right? Um, and the fact that all three of those guys, Chris Middleton, Brandon Jennings, and Jeff Teague are all in an NBA championship parade for the Milwaukee Bucks. Brandon Knight was probably feeling very left out uh, at that point. Um, but what a what a just wild, just incomprehensible story arc. And shout out to Brandon Jennings for, I guess, having you know enough of a sense of. I, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if it's correct to say he has a sense of humor about it or he just appreciates it, but for a guy that, you know, had a brief window where he was like the face of the franchise and people were obviously looking at him as like this cornerstone of the franchise. The fact that he's taken on this, you know, new life as the origin of, of this rallying cry is just so the weird. The problem. Just so weird. It's so weird. And also, I mean, bucks and six was really symbolic of the bucks failed attempt to just be you know the eighth the perennial eighth seed and the other irony of course is that was the year that they end up drafting Giannis 
And if they tank at the deadline, they trade guys off, whatever, and they move up in the draft, do they even draft Giannis, right? In, in that weird way, the Bucks constantly striving to be an eighth seed is ultimately what landed them, you know, the franchise savior and the guy that, of course, um, has made all this possible. It's just, and you, you, you kind of have the best laid plans and you got the best ideas about how to build a franchise and you just never know what's really going to be what, you know, lays the foundation or, or puts you over the top. I mean, it's, Giannis and Chris in 2013 and then just a whole lot of struggle and building and laying the foundation and ups and downs and then you know finally and finally getting over the top and it's kind of funny too like we talk about like you know I've been a Bucks fan for 30 years but I always refer to just because I'm old but it's kind of funny because like when I think about it like was being a Bucks fan really like stressful for most of those 30 years not really, because they really were never, like, I was never stressed about, like, oh, God, we have to win the champion. It's like, I didn't even think about winning a championship for most of that time. <laughs> like, I didn't seriously think the Bucks could win a championship, honestly, until the Miritich trade a couple years ago. And I remember literally getting off an elevator, seeing it on my phone, and thinking, holy crap, the Bucks really have a chance to win a championship this year. And since then, it's been absolutely super stressful and you know, the anxiety of following a team that has a legitimate chance at a championship that has a a multiple time MVP whose legacy you care about. It's just such a different type of fandom. That's almost impossible to even compare to, you know, the exact moment when before when Giannis is showing up, right? I mean, just the types of conversations you have, the types of things you hope for is just, it's just totally different. I don't, I mean, it's still funny because it's like, I was sort of like, man, it's been a long ride, but then I think about it, it's like, it's really the last three years that's put all the mileage on my, you know, life as a fan. Like the first 27 were like, eh, you know, I wasted a lot of time writing stories, <laughs> talking podcasts, but emotionally I didn't run me down that much. I don't know. I've still got a lot of workshopping to do. I, I should probably get a therapist and just kind of work through a lot of the stuff, but um, I feel pretty good right now. Well, as the, a general sports pessimist i actually was very very anti bring brandon jennings to game six i thought that was asking for some serious serious trouble but hey what do i know what do i know it turned out perfectly it was a ballsy move uh, but they got the job done there and uh yeah good for brandon he's you know he's back in the limelight he's a he's a hero for these uh, few weeks anyway and uh, i think we, we all enjoyed watching him play but the one season that i always remember frank is the season where the bucks got to 500 uh, it might have been like 2016 or somewhere around there where they got to 500 about 12 times but they were never able to get over 500 that was like the pinnacle of of bucks fandom right there can they get over 500 no they can't no they can't so anyway we better wrap this up i really do have to get to work um but eric and uh frank <laughs> i know you're just hanging out over there you're just i don't know what you're doing getting ready to go to bed but i, I looked it up this morning it was episode 654 when we did the whatever you want to call it, the, the, the handover. I said I was, I was probably Olympics, very awkward. Passing. Yeah, I was awkward. David Locker just like grilled me about whether I could keep this podcast running or whether I was going to lose all the audience. I was sweating. It was tough times. But today is episode 1137. So it's been far. The, the point of all this is that it's been far too long since we got to to hang out so 
this has been a lot of fun, boys. This has been a lot of fun. It's you're you're now a championship winning podcaster, Kane. You're an NBA championship podcaster. What did Eric Name ever do as a podcaster? Nothing. You know? He, he got to the makeup. East Finals, and I, I was having to do a bunch of solo pods that, that year anyway, right? We got as far as we could go with Eric Name. And they said, you know what? Need some new blood to put this team over the top. Had some bobbles last year, Kane. You know, second round out. Didn't reflect well on you, but we got over the top. We got to the top of the mountain, Kane. It's been fun. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long I can hang on. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to have to go. What, I, don't know, I, I don't know what corner of the world we'll go to next, but <laughs> I can assure you, I can assure you, Locked On Bucks will be rolling. Frank will still be here. <laughs> Frank's going to be on his like 10th host. <laughs> 20,000 episodes. 80, It'll be 80. like a, I'll be I'll be I'll be 63 years old. There'll be like a 22 year old kid using like some platform that's the next like three things beyond Twitter, and it'll just be like old timers on Twitter still trying to, you know, keep up with stuff. And um, I'll I'll just be purely just a cap nerd at that point, completely divorced from the culture of basketball. But hey, you know what? At that point, I'll probably be near retirement, so I'll have, I'll have to find something to do with my time. So I might as well keep podcasting, right? Making references to every every bad trade. He's referencing Grievous Vasquez. Nobody knows what the hell he's talking about, but he but he he continues to do it anyway. All right, let's call it. Eric, appreciate you coming on, man. I, I don't know if you had anything better to do than this tonight, but this has been. Uh, I'm going to split this podcast up. So for those that are listening to this now, you've probably caught the first couple of parts here, but um, it's been it's always fun. But it's been a blast, man. Absolutely. Build for this. Build for this. I don't even know if you called out the name of the book, but Build for This is the name of the book if people want to Google it. That is correct. Build for This is the name of the book. Uh, I love both of you dearly, and I'm, I'm very happy that we were able to get back together and do this and have a good time tonight. All right. By the time you're listening to this, it's fucking ridiculous, but the NBA draft, I think, will be within 24 hours. So buckle up. Buckle up. It's just starting to get exciting. We may have a new Bucks player to discuss next time we podcast and we'll be talking about free agencies. Frank's been crunching the numbers with the cap stuff as well, which I, I know people have been hitting me up about and they're very, uh, very excited about that. So Frank will be the man there. I don't, I don't dive into those waters. I leave it to the experts. We'll get into that. The Eric, Frank, myself. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.